Hello friends, God bless you. Welcome to A Word of Victory today. It's so nice to have you here. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you right now for your word, Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, we submit to you. And we thank you, precious Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your presence with us, Lord. We thank you for revealing the word of God to us, opening our ears, Lord. We pray, open our spiritual ears, open our spiritual eyes, and let us hear your voice, Lord. And we choose, Father God, to follow you, the voice of the Good Shepherd, and we will not ever listen to or follow the voice of the stranger. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Let's start today, friend, in um, Psalm 116. And um, this message is called Devouring Joy. And you know, um, we have an enemy. His name is Satan. Uh, another word for him is the adversary, or the devil. And um, he, uh, you know, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus told us in John chapter uh, 10, John's Gospel, chapter 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And one thing I feel that, that the devil tries to destroy so much in, in our lives is our joy. And I know we've spoken about this in the past, and if you want to hear a really good teaching, I really recommend, um, or a book, uh, Jerry Savelle, S-A-V-E-L-L-E, Jerry Savelle, and he wrote an amazing book back in the 80s called If Satan Can't Steal Your Joy, He Can't Steal Your Goods. And you see, joy is so valuable and so precious to God because, you know, what goes on in heaven is rejoicing. And um, it says in, in Nehemiah, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So there's strength that comes from joy. But I think that, you know, in, in the world that we're living in right now, <clears throat> I really feel, and, and all last week I, I was hearing this word, a forked tongue, a forked tongue, you know, fork as in F-O-R-K, a forked tongue. And um, I was trying to think about it and, and was saying, what's a forked tongue mean? And certainly it can mean, you know, somebody who speaks out of both sides of their mouth. And we need to be careful about the people we uh, allow to influence us, you know, uh, what's their motivation or what's in their heart. And, and many people are under the influence of, of uh, you know, people who, who will be all uh, jolly and sweet to your face and, and, and cut cut the legs from under you, behind your back, you know, or stab you in the back. So we need to be careful about that, about people who speak out both sides of their mouth. But I really felt more that it was about, uh, you know, the python spirit, which is mentioned in the Bible um, so many times, you know, because, of course, Satan, when he came into the garden to tempt um, and deceive Adam and Eve, he came in the form of the serpent. And um, we were studying here on Thursday night at Word of Victory, you know, our authority that Jesus gave us in Luke 10, uh, verse 19. He said, you know, behold, I give you authority over Satan, over his snakes and his scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So, therefore, we have this, um, you know, the Lord revealing to us that Satan attacks people in many forms, and, and rather like a serpent, you know, uh, darting out of, of a, a hidden place to, to bite or to devour, um, you know, the python, and, and I, I know in the past I've, 
known of uh, you know someone who had a python and and um, you know they used to feed the python a, a little rabbit or, or mice and 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 they would eat the the other animal uh, fully uh, you know just just open their mouth they, they don't have any restrictions on their mouth and just open their mouth and swallow it swallow their prey whole and um, in fact, somebody told me yesterday after our teaching that uh, they were studying something about pythons during the week, funnily enough, and she said, you know, they actually eat other snakes. Uh, so, you know, the, the serpent spirit is, is a, a, I suppose, a manifestation of, of Satan, of the demonic. And we are in um, a spiritual battle. Um, again, go back to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, our... our you know, we are in a battle against powers and principalities of darkness. And, and Satan uh, often comes as an angel of light, but very often the way he manifests is, is in the form of an attack, um, you know, a, a malicious, devouring attack. And the thing he's after is our joy, because our joy is linked to our strength and our joy is linked to our faith. And so... How does a, a python or a, or a snake, you know, how do they um, they devour their prey by, you know, swallowing them whole, as I, as I said earlier. But also another way that a python attacks and, and kills its prey is actually by wrapping, coiling um, himself around his victim and, and squeezing the utter life out of that person. And I just feel to minister to you today with this word. I believe it's a word from God for us. And, you know, friend, I believe that many people in the world right now are in that position where uh, the demonic attacks that have come against people, especially people who are standing on the word of God. I'm not talking just about unbelievers. You know, I'm talking about really Christians who are standing on God's word and have found that they are being, that the life and the very breath is being squeezed out of them, that, that there's an oppression, that there's a heaviness, a fatigue and an exhaustion because of, of you know, everyday life. And you see, friend, that's not how life is supposed to be. Yes, the Lord said we will go through, you know, trials and tribulations and turmoil. That's what that means, you know, troubles. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So we are to have joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances because our faith in Jesus and our faith in God and our relationship with him as our shepherd, the good shepherd, it brings stability and peace to us so that we can stand and remain stable even in the midst of very difficult times or difficult circumstances. And, you know, God's word warns us that the days we're in are dark days. Yes, they are. And I know that we, we talk so much about that. But the thing is, is that we have the light of God, the light of Jesus Christ living inside of us. And he wants us to shine as lights in this dark world. The, the darkness needs light to overcome it. And so um, God wants to use you. And so if you have been under pressure or, you know, that you have been feeling that, you know, that there's perhaps um, oppression coming against you, even in your, your physical health or in your relationships, in your finances especially. I think this especially um, is, is linked to that, you know, where the devil tries to, to uh, cause hindrances and blockages to sort of uh, prevent God's people from walking in the blessing that Jesus bought and paid for with his blood. And so let's have a look um, at Psalm 116. 
and let's read it together. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. And here we have it in verse 3. The cords or the pains, it's, it's some versions it says the pains, but in actual fact the true meaning there is the cords of death. So you've got this picture of, of, of being entangled and being, you know, coiled about by some kind of a rope or a cord that's constricting and restricting and, and oppressing you. The cords of death surrounded me and the pangs or the distress of Sheol, which is the grave or hell, laid hold of, laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul. You see, this is what it's all about, friend, is that when we are in relationship with the Lord as our shepherd, we have complete peace and stability. And what happens is our soul, remember in Psalm 23, he, he, uh, I will, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I will never have any lack. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Because of the fact that God wants to be our source and our provision of everything, from, uh, you know, uh, provision of, of daily bread, of food, of, of provision of, of wisdom, provision of counsel, provision of financial blessings, provision of health. God wants to be our provider. And when we understand that and when we enter into that rest of allowing him to be in charge, of, of, of submitting to his authority in our lives what happens is is there's a rest and a restoration that occurs within our souls we're three-part being as we've spoken before about we have a physical body we have us we are a spirit being made in the image and likeness of god so our our spirit you know our spirit man is strong as we feed on the word of god and then we have our soul okay so our soul is the area of if you want to think about it like this i want i think i feel so our soul is our mind our emotions our will and so often when we endure things or go through things or when things um, happen, uh, you know, traumas or accidents or, or different, you know, betrayal or, or uh, broken promises, things like that, what happens is, is we're wounded in our soul area. And in fact, the Bible <clears throat> speaks about the soul so much. Uh, you know, God talks about it in terms of being our inner man, um, being the very heart of the person. Um, often, in fact, when you see the word heart in the Bible, it's actually referring to the soul. And it's funny because um, in Proverbs, I think it is, the, the soul is, is translated as being the heart and even being the very kidneys, you know, the, the sort of the, the, oh, how would you say, the machinery that goes on in the background, you know, running the body. And, and so our soul area is very important to God, um, that we're stable and peaceful in our soul and this is what happens with people who, who come under an oppression or depression or, or you know m mental health issues is that there's there's a scarring or, or um, 
you know, something's out of sync in the soul area. And so um, here in verse uh, 7 of Psalm 116, it says, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And you see, as that understanding um, of our relationship with God and of his love for us, his His perfect will for us, his provision for us, what happens is, is there's a peace and a rest that comes upon us and that allows us um, and enables us to stand through no matter what the circumstances are. And this is the difference between a believer in Jesus Christ and somebody who has no God or believes God doesn't even exist or who's in a rebellion to God. You know, there is a difference and you'll find it in the soul area and the mind, uh, you know. So anyway, praise God for you have delivered me from death. You've delivered my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. As I, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. You know, and what, what he's saying here is, you know, Lord, when I think about what you've done for me and, you know, in the past when I when I haven't been in that place of trusting in you, I've been, you know, afflicted and I've been open to all kinds of attack. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. So here we have Yeshua, Jesus. Yeshua is Jesus's real name it's his hebrew name uh, jesus is just the latinized or uh, anglicized version and um i will lift up the cup of salvation you know that night when jesus took the bread and the cup at the passover meal with his disciples um there was a several cups throughout the meal you know that they would take at different times but there was one cup that they did not touch it was left on the table symbolically uh, through the generations until the messiah came and that night the cup that jesus took after supper was the cup of salvation and that's why he said this is the cup of the new covenant and you see friend we're in a new era right now we're in a new season and it's a season of the just shall live by faith and we walk by faith and i want to encourage you that yes things may be dark and bleak in the world you know god warned us about that he said evil will abound but he said my grace will abound even more Praise God. He warned us. He said, you know, they'll be calling what's good evil and what's evil good. This, he said that in Isaiah chapter 5. And so our faith in Jesus Christ and in what he did, this is why he, get, he left us that memorial of breaking bread and of taking communion with him. Because it's, it's a special, intimate thing that we do between you and the Lord, between the Lord and, and me, you know, it's a personal thing whereby we remember what he did for us at the cross, whereby we remember that we are righteous, that we are washed and cleansed in his blood, and that we have the right uh, and, and the privilege of being able to come before our king and come into the court of God, the most high God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and come before him and sit on his lap as our Abba, our daddy, 
because we have been uh, reunited and reconciled with God through what Jesus did. And, you know, as I said earlier, one of the devil's names is Satan, which means adversary. And this is a legal term. It means one who can oppose you in a legal in a legal court. And you see it. In, in Zechariah and again in Revelation, God tells us about how, and in the book of Job as well, how Satan came before the throne of God. And what does he do as he comes before the throne of God? He accuses God's children out of the word of God. But friend, when we understand what Jesus was doing and when he took that cup that night and said, this is a new covenant written in my blood so that your sins, for the remission of sins, so that your sins would be totally washed and cleansed and you would be made right with God and reconciled to him as if you never sinned. So that when God looks at you, he no longer looks at who you were, at your past, at what went on, at the sins that you committed. Instead, when he looks at you as a believer in Jesus Christ he sees his son Jesus and like we said in that last podcast you know and I put up that picture on Facebook and on Twitter on our pages there Word of Victory Christian Fellowship um, if you want to have a look at that picture you know of the the mother and the father and they're listening to their son's heart beating in the donor recipient and the man who got his heart after he died and they're listening to that son's heart beating listen that's what God wants he wants us to be in such fellowship such intimacy with him and in uh, walking after his spirit being led by his spirit so that everywhere we go we bring the fragrance of God with us you know almost like it's it's uh, the presence of God enters into every place where you put your foot. You know that, friend? He said it in Corinthians. He said, uh, you know, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus and through us diffuses the fragrance of his presence. Do you know what a diffuser is? It's this device you plug in, you put some water into it, and then you put in some essential oils like lavender or geranium or whatever your favorite is, and then you plug it in and it it starts hissing and um, diffusing out this smoke or this uh, vapor and it, and it fragrances and cleanses all the air in the room. And so God wants you to be a diffuser of his presence that everywhere we go as believers that we bring a change to the atmosphere. And so, you know, when Jesus that night took that cup and he lifted up that cup of salvation, he knew what he was doing. And he was, uh, by symbolically taking the cup that was held for Messiah, he was announcing, I am the Messiah. I am going to die and lay down my life so that you can be reconciled with God and made right with him. And so that you and all those who will believe in me and receive me as Lord and Savior can live a blessed life and can live full of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of knowing what Jesus did for us and that he made us right and that we don't have to try and be a good girl or be a good boy, you know, in order to make God like us. No, we have the privilege of being able to come into his presence, into the throne room of grace, into the court of heaven and come before our Abba, our Daddy, 
and sit and snuggle on his lap and, and uh, you know, spend time with him and fellowship with him and love him and be loved by him because of the blood that Jesus shed for us. So what do we render to the Lord in, in honor of him and to say thanks to him? We lift up the cup of salvation. And, you know, the cup of salvation there translates the cup of Yeshua. So Jesus said in the Gospels, you know, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so the way we live our lives, as we honor the Lord, as we honor him in every part of our lives, as we, you know, uh, put him first, what happens is, is that, uh, you know, things change for us, yes, but things also change around us. We actually are, are atmosphere changers, uh, people who bring a different type of atmosphere and so uh, we bring the Spirit of God with us. We bring the knowledge of God. We bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a, there's a fine line here because I see this with many Christians, you know, and, and, and we, we, we tend to get angry and start ranting and raving at others in order to make them understand and make them believe that Jesus loves you. <laughs> you know, but listen, friend, you know, I'm not the Holy Spirit and neither are you. Praise God for that because if we were... All mankind would be <laughs> sent to hell long ago. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is so gentle and, and he ministers to people. He meets people where they're at. And often what we're doing when, when we're uh, preaching and, and, you know, mouthing off at people is that we're getting into the flesh. And the Lord said that, you know, those who serve him will, will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so instead of being full of the spirit, we get full of the flesh. And we start to try and, you know, make people believe and understand God's word because it's so good. But you can never do that. You know, all you can do is sow seeds. All you can do is live right. All you can do is, is, is touch people, help people, you know, touch them, I mean, by, by uh, you know, uh, being kind to them and ministering to them, love them, um, uh, you know, allow the love of God to flow through you. That's why Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Praise God. So... Uh, when we take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord, and uh, we are honoring Jesus, we're honoring his life, his death, and his resurrection. We're honoring him as our redeemer, and our redeemer is alive, as Job said. I know that my redeemer is alive, my deliverer is alive. So, uh, you know, God says that, let's actually have a look there at, um, let's finish off this psalm first of all. Um, I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. This is still Psalm 116. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds, my chains. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's what, you know, what a great sacrifice to bring. And, and especially when things are hard and things are bad. When we start praising the Lord. That's why he said in Isaiah, you know, he gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Instead of the spirit of heaviness. You want to shake off heaviness? Start praising God. Start uh, letting your voice 
go forth and, and be heard as you worship the Lord. Father, I praise you. Lord, I thank you. Lord Jesus, oh my King, I praise you, Lord. Beautiful Savior, wonderful Lord. We worship you. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, all of creation sings your praise. Uh, you know, you can sing to him. You can sing your, your own song. And, and you can just worship the Lord. And as you do that, every spirit of heaviness will go. There's a key, friend, to living victoriously, and it is to be found in refreshing yourself by streams of living water, allowing the fountain of all um, life, you know, the Spirit of God, to flow in your heart as you study His Word and as you praise Him. So uh, I will offer you to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Amen. If we go as well just to Psalm 1, Psalm number 1. Let's read it, the first Psalm. And it's talking here about how God, how God looks upon us when we obey his word. And he says, blessed is the man. That means man or woman. It's talking about mankind. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the seat and the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That word meditates there, it means to ponder, to think aloud, to speak aloud. So uh, meditating on God's word is so important. And, you know, if you want a practical example, think about Jesus when he was in the wilderness and the devil came uh, to tempt him. You know, the word is tempt in the Bible, but what it means is the devil came to harass him. And to persecute him and to try and break him and make him give up, make him sin and make him fall. Um, and this is what the enemy is doing to many people. And as I said earlier, you know, that that serpent python spirit is, is squeezing the very life out of people. You can see it in our in our world, you know, even with this coronavirus. It's very interesting, isn't it, that people who have had the coronavirus, that one of the things they struggle with is their breath. I can't breathe. It's something that, that has been very much associated with the Black Lives Matters protest. You know, um, I can't breathe. And I believe that it's a demonic spirit that has been released against God's people upon this earth at this time that is trying to smother and choke the life out of people. But, praise God, he will not succeed. Because, as God's word says, blessed is the man where you are blessed, friend. And just to go back to Jesus when he was in the wilderness and when Satan came to harass him and persecute him, um, Jesus never got into the flesh and did not start ranting and raving at him or binding him or anything like that. He just merely answered him with the word of God. So Satan said, if you're the son of God, turn this rock into a piece of bread. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And as he spoke God's word, what he was doing was refreshing and restoring his soul, bringing peace and stability in the midst of this difficulty. And he had the victory because it said that after a while, Satan just left him. You see, Satan knows the word of God himself. And once a believer knows and understands understands the word of God and knows and understands the authority that we have through uh, what Jesus did for us at the cross, Satan has no retaliation for that. 
And this is why we need to be armed and ready. God has given us the armor to protect us. And he has given us the sword of the spirit to defeat Satan every time. Praise God. So when we meditate on God's word, that's what you need to do. If, if circumstances are difficult in your home, um, if there's a you know, situation going on, you need to take authority. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I take authority over this situation right now. I command the enemy bound in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father. You said, Lord, that I would never need to fear. You said, what time I am afraid? In Psalm 56, I will trust in you. You said, Father God, that you will supply all my needs according to your riches is in glory by Christ Jesus. I will not fear, but instead, Father God, I will trust in you. This is meditating on God's word. It's actively using it, speaking it, and, and using your sword of the spirit. And Satan will have to leave. And I'll tell you, circumstances will change. But more than that, friend, you will change. Because your response and, and you know, that heaviness, that will leave as you are refreshed in God's word. So, in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And listen to this. And whatever he does shall prosper. This really hit me the other night when I was studying this. According to God, <laughs> in God's eyes, I am blessed. Because I obey his word, I... Uh, don't walk after the counsel of the ungodly. Instead, I walk after God's counsel. I listen for him. I, I, I hear his voice. I, I, I talk to the Lord. I am washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I can come into his presence. And, you know, guess what? He said that because of that, I am like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season. My leaves will not wither and whatever I do prospers. There's many of us, friend, and we need to get a good washing out with a bit of carbolic soap or something, some strong detergent and wash out our minds, wash out our tongues, wash out our attitudes and our will and realize that we need to get into alignment with what God's word says about us. Because many of us, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about anybody here, I, I count us all with this. Many of us have been living defeated in, in many areas because we have not understood or realized what God, uh, what Jesus Christ won for us at the cross. And the fact that he paid it all so that we could live blessed. Whatever you do shall prosper. You need to say that to yourself. Whatever I do will prosper. God promised me this. I'll give you a testimony. I was reading in a book one time by Charles Capps and um, he wrote how he went on a fishing trip with a friend and um, this friend anyway was having a bad day because he was being really negative and where Charles stopped to go fishing the friend said look the last time we were here we caught nothing. There is no fish in this place. We need to go somewhere else and, and find fish and whatever. And Charles said, you know, he really didn't need to hear this. He, he wanted a break. He wanted some rest time and restoration. And so he said he actually walked up the river away from him. He waded up the river, he said, because I had to get away from the doubt and unbelief. And this is what I'm talking about, about influence as well, friend. You know, there are many people that are hanging around with people who are just constantly negative, constantly down in the dumps 
you know, they have no joy and they actually wallow in self-pity. Well, anyway, he waded up the river away from his negative friend and he started speaking out this scripture. He said, Father, you said that I am blessed and this day is a blessing to me. And you said, Father God, that because of my righteousness, that whatever I do will prosper. My righteousness is not based on anything I have done myself. It is based on what Jesus Christ, your son, did for me at the cross. And Lord, I thank you that I declare today that I prosper. I thank you, Father, that there are multitudes of fish in this river and they are going to jump into my net in Jesus' name. He said, whatever I do prospers. I thank you this is a prosperous fishing trip. And what do you think, friend? His haul that day was the greatest that any person had ever seen. And, you know, his friend had to swallow his words and and repent. But the thing is, is that whatever you do shall prosper. You need to start speaking that. Remember in Proverbs um, chapter 23, verse 7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we're constantly thinking defeated, if we're constantly thinking dread and worry and stress, what? How do we think that we're going to live blessed? We have to change our thinking. Our soul has to be restored. And the place it gets restored is in his presence. Praise the Lord. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. God wants you to thrive, not strive. You are to rest joyfully in hope. You're not to be struggling. He doesn't want you to be overwhelmed by discouragement and failure and fear. We have to give no place to the devil and especially no place to his corruption because he is a devourer. Be quite clear about that. Let's have a look at Malachi. Did we finish Psalm 1? No, we didn't. Let's go to verse 4. Sorry, still in Psalm 1. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the ungodly, though, shall perish. Amen. Okay, let's go to, um, let me see here, praise God. Let's go to Malachi, the book of Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament, just before Matthew's Gospel. And in Malachi chapter 3, um, I just want to read verse 11. And, you know, Malachi chapter 3 is is all about the tithe, all about returning to God. And and so many people consider this to be just merely financial and just merely about, uh, you know, money. It's not. What the Lord is saying, uh, as he says right through the word of God, is return to me. Return everything to me. What he's looking for is total surrender of our lives surrendering to him, putting him first in every area, first in uh, giving him the first part, you know, of our lives, everything. So it's not just about the finances. But anyway, he says here in verse 11, Malachi 3.11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Here again, just like in Psalm 1, we're seeing that there's something that occurs when somebody is right with God. What occurs is fruit. Jesus said it himself in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and you will bear much fruit for me. And you see, the devil is after your fruit. 
That's why Satan comes. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. He's after the fruit of your life. He's after your destiny. He's after your children and your, your, your descendants. You know, anything that produces fruit in your life, Satan is out for it because he wants to shut you down. And Satan's greatest fear is that believers will understand the authority and the power that we have through the name of Jesus and, and with his word because he knows then he's finished. And, and that's why he tries to hinder you and block you from being able to study the word of God. It's why he, he has people in total rebellion who have been called by God with years to, to come and eat from his table and who are just, you know, who've turned their backs on God. Because Satan is after the fruit. And so he'll shut people down in any way. He plays dirty. Have no mistake about that. But God says here that when we return to him and when we uh, you know, are in total obedience to him in every area, as I said, here it's talking about the tithe, but when we're in obedience to him, God will rebuke the devourer for our sake. And our vines, uh, those things that we work at, will never fail to produce fruit. And like we read in Psalm 1, you know, the person who walks in, in godly order in his life or her life thrives like a tree planted by streams of living water where there's a constant freshness and a constant refreshment. That's what God wants you to be, friend. A refreshed, fruit-producing, thriving, living being, full of life, full of joy, full of strength, Walking in his power after his spirit. Hallelujah. Um, but how the devourer comes very often is through other people. <laughs> yes, he does. And they will say the most horrible things or they will, you know, bring doubt or uh, stress into your life in some way. Um, betrayal, heart wounding. Uh, you know, we have to get over that. And we have to realize that God wants us to live blessed. Um, let's finish this here in verse 12 while we're still in Malachi. And then we're going to go quickly to the book of Nehemiah. Um, it says in Malachi, Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You know, God means his word. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't lie. When he says something, he means it. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And he goes on, you know, I encourage you, friend, to read the book of Malachi. It is just one of the most amazing books in the Bible. It speaks about everything from relationships to finances to health. Uh, everything is covered in this precious book by this prophet Malachi. But he goes on to say, you know, your words have been very harsh against me. You're saying that, oh, it's no good serving God because all those people who don't serve him, they're all blessed. And look at me here. I am serving him. And am I blessed? No, I'm not. All these things are going wrong for me. Well, listen, God says, you know, um, he goes on to say there, you know, the, those who feared the Lord spoke and the books were open in heaven. And, uh, you know, there, there is things going on in the background, friend, that, that we don't see, you know, with our physical eyes. But God sees everything. Like he said, you know, you look at just the outward thing, but I look at the heart. And so I encourage you. Yes, I know that there are often times where it looks like the ungodly are flourishing, but... You know, Satan, he rewards his own people. 
But then he pulls the rug and they have nothing to stand on. And this is why God says, you know, in Ephesians 6, I'll go over it again with you. <laughs> when the evil day comes, will you be able to stand? There's only one way to stand, and it is standing strong in the spirit. As our spirits are nourished and fed on God's word, there's a transformation takes place inside. And you might be a five stone weakling, you know, uh, but listen, in God's eyes and, and when you're feeding on his word, you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Praise God. Anyway, let's go to the book of Nehemiah very quickly. And let's have a look here because I, I noticed this during the week and I believe the Lord really spoke to me through it. Okay, if you don't mind for a moment, I'm going to move around and just switch off a heater. It's been gushing in the background. There we go. In Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 4 and verse 1. And I might read it from the NLT to you. Uh, Nehemiah got a vision from God to go and uh, carry out and accomplish a great thing for him. Uh, he, the, the city of Jerusalem had been uh, overrun by Israel's enemies, had been burnt down, burnt so much in fact that the walls were knocked down and burnt. And um, I would encourage you in these days with what's going on over in Israel at the moment, friend, to, um, I did a little article that we publish every week in a, in a local paper and I put it up on Facebook then as well, but um, every week. And this week we wrote about what's going on in Israel and I encourage you to educate yourself about the nation of Israel I encourage you to understand that Israel are God's people. They're God's chosen people and the Jews are God's chosen people. And out of the Jews, he brought his Messiah, his son. And it's in Satan's best interest to get the whole world to turn against the nation of Israel. And so there is much propaganda and lies, uh, traps and, and, and setups by Satan in order to get people to curse Israel, because in Genesis, God promised Abraham that he would bless again, just like what we read in, in Psalm 1. God promised Abraham that he would bless him and bless his descendants forever and that he would bless whoever would bless them, but that whoever would curse them would be cursed. And so anyway, I just encourage you, if you want to go um, read that, it's on Facebook, on our Facebook account, and um, you can read it. It's not what I'm talking about today. So anyway, here, Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And you see, you've got this picture here. And, and this is something that happens in a believer's life. As somebody comes to know the Lord, um, our, our walls uh, are, are rebuilt. Our lives are rebuilt. 
And this is what Nehemiah carried out in, in, in the natural realm here with all the people who went back with him. He um, had them all stationed at different places all around the walls of Jerusalem and each family worked together to start rebuilding the walls. But it looked like an impossible task. And of course, what do you think? Anything that's anointed by God, you can be sure Satan will have his people or his demons on the scene immediately. And this is what happened here for Nehemiah and his enemies, those ones who opposed uh, Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem being rebuilt came out of the cracks, you know, just like a serpent, just again, like this python spirit, you know, a, a forked tongue again, malicious, vicious. You know, that's another thing a snake does is he he um how do you say that his tongue comes out at rapid speed uh you know to to really bite or sting and um here in in Nehemiah chapter 4 in verse 1 it says Sambalat who was uh, one of the enemies of of Nehemiah was very angry when he imagine having a name like that Sambalat gee it's a long one isn't it um Sambalat come in your dinner's ready uh, anyway, Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. This is something that you'll always find regarding Israel in particular or, or any of God's people. There's a, um, a mocking, scornful spirit, you know, a spirit of hatred and murder that's released against anybody who's anointed by God. And um, we read about it in Psalm 1, you know, the Lord actually uses it as a mark of a believer is that they do not sit in the seat of the scornful or they do not, uh, you know, mock God or mock his people. And this is what uh, Sam Balash was, was uh, and, and his friends were doing here is they were mocking Nehemiah. And this is what they said. I'm reading this from the NLT, by the way, the New Living Testament. It's like a more contemporary English. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samarian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something out of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? You know, so there's this real tone of mockery. And in fact, you know, this is something you'll find very often. And I'll tell you this much, friend. You'll even find it from other people who call themselves Christians. What do you think you're doing? How does that even, you know, how do you think this is going to work out? That's absolutely impossible. You know, they, they'll talk, you know, so negatively, negatively, they'll, they'll really drag you down with their words. There are people, you know, you're better off living far, far away from because they take your peace by, by simply opening their mouths and what comes out of them because they're under the influence of the enemy and even i hate to say christians uh you know very often they can be very uh derogatory and and critical of other people and that's not a mark of a, a true believer but anyway this is what sam ballard was doing you know he was and and i just wanted to show you the scripture to give you a practical example of how the enemy comes to devour your joy. He comes by persecution. 
by by trying to beat you down by by you know speaking into your ear that's never going to work out how in the name of god do you think that's ever going to work you know you're you you're really being stupid now these kind of negative things but god you know he wants you to press on and this is what nehemiah did nehemiah pressed on he gave no place to the devil's corruption you know he gave no place to to what these people were saying in fact what he did if you want to read the book of nehemiah it's a great book if you want to read what he actually did, he armed his people. He told them, right, what you're going to do is each family who's rebuilding this wall, some of you start the building, but you build with one hand and you hold an, and you keep watch with the other. Um, you know, you keep a knife in your hand. Then he told them, set other guards behind you as well, behind each group to protect you. This is what we need to do. And this is spiritual warfare, friend. We need to understand that we are in a war with the devil, our adversary, who opposes us and who's constantly accusing us before God and uh, we need to man up and mature and take our authority over Satan over his attacks and bind up his attacks and loose the spirit of God and loose God's plans and trust in the Lord and and watch and see then and and uh, this is where peace and stability come from friend is is true understanding of that. So Nehemiah pressed down in spite of his enemies. And you know, they built that wall of the entire city. They rebuilt it in only 52 days. It was a supernatural, uh, you know, uh, blessing. It was such a miracle. Praise God. And yesterday, you know, when we were at church, we had a man here who recently, uh, a few months ago, was hospitalized very seriously ill with coronavirus, actually. Um, during the lockdown, he, he, he fell ill with it. And he gave a testimony yesterday. He stood up and uh, maybe I'll get him to record it someday for us. I think it was absolutely wonderful. You know, he, he actually had to learn to walk again. He was in, 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 in a really bad way. He, he was on full dialysis. He was, he was just, uh, very, very ill. And his doctor said to him, you surpassed every milestone that we had set for you. She said to him, you're a true miracle. And he said, well, I am. And he said, it's because of God and prayer. And, you know, because of the, obviously the care he got as well from the doctors and nurses. And we thank God for them. And Father, we pray today for all those medics, Lord, people who are working in, in uh, hospital environments and, and uh, doctors, surgeries, uh, nurses, doctors, staff. Father, we bind all exhaustion over them and fatigue. And, and we pray, Father, for strength for them. We pray, Lord, that they would come to know you. We pray, Lord, that uh, the joy of the Lord would be their strength. In Jesus' name, that you would strengthen them, that you would bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. But um, it was a wonderful day, actually, yesterday, to hear that testimony from that uh, man and his lovely wife. And, you know, his wife stood with him. And this is just another practical example of the devourer so often she would ring for prayer different days you know and it was really bad the news was terrible there was you know a, a really bad outlook for for a long time um it was going on over a period of four weeks and 
um, each time she would pray and we would we would pray together in agreement. This is what, you know, being part of a church body is about, friend, is that you have people who stand with you. You know, very often what you see with people is when they come, they'll say, how long do I have to do this for now? <laughs> you know, or you see people and they'll dip one toe in and then they'll dip it out again and then they'll come back another time and dip it in again. That's not the way uh, walking with the Lord goes, friend. You know, he wants you to immerse yourself in the kingdom of God. He wants you to enjoy total fellowship with him. And uh, how fellowship works is is that you know you're you're meeting uh with other believers and what happens is is there's a corporate anointing the spirit of god yes there's an anointing for you talking to the lord you know and and you won't have any relationship with the lord unless you can talk to him yourself but there is something special about being joined to the body and in hebrews chapter 10 you know the lord warns about that do not forsake the gathering together and this is something coronavirus really achieved wasn't it it shut all the churches and stopped God's people from gathering together to be able to worship him but anyway praise God we thank God for that miracle of that man you know that um so often his wife he told me yesterday actually that uh, people in uh, certain people in, in in their community had actually pinpointed even the grave that he was going into imagine that by God, I'll tell you this much, friend, those people will want to watch themselves because you don't, you know, the Lord says, touch not the Lord's anointed. And there are people who are speaking against believers. They are speaking against, uh, you know, people who have put their trust in God and they would want to be very careful because they're standing on the edge of a cliff. I'm telling you. But anyway, um, you have you had all these people coming with bad reports, wondering, you know, what kind of wheelchair would he be coming home in and all this. And he had to learn to walk, as I say, and he had to learn to walk in a very small ward just by walking from one wall to the other. You know, so he really overcame such obstacles. And we thank God and give glory for that miracle and for the miracle of, of his wife being able to stand as well in his family, you know, and, and that that man is completely restored back to health and was back in church yesterday praise God for it but you know the enemy tried to come and devour their joy but he didn't get away with it in Jesus name uh, so God wants your soul to be at peace he wants you to enjoy your life he wants you to be strong um you know, there was a, if you want to read another book in the Bible, it's the book of Ruth. I love the book of Ruth. It's about Naomi, this lady who, with her husband, moved to a foreign land and um, their two sons went with them. Uh, the two sons married two local women in Moab. And then suddenly her husband died and then her two sons died. And it was just her and her two daughter-in-laws left. And she was left desolate. And uh, we studied this yesterday as well at church. But just very quickly to run through it with you. Naomi came back to the land of Israel. And I'm sure you may have heard this verse, this scripture from the book of Ruth um, at many weddings you've been at. Uh, when she was going back to Israel, she said to her two daughter-in-laws, you go home to your families. I'm going home to Israel because I am so miserable and it, no, my life has just ended up so miserable. And one daughter-in-law went home to her family in Moab. But the other one, Ruth, said, 
I'm never going to leave you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you're buried, I will be buried. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And so she, you know, Ruth was this uh, totally devoted daughter-in-law. They moved back to the land of Israel and all the people, uh, you know, came around Naomi and said, oh, you're back. And Naomi said, uh, you know, my life is miserable. Don't bother calling me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant. Call me Mara instead, which means bitter because my life has been dealt a bitter blow but anyway what happened was and it's a very short book as well I think it's only four chapters you'll have it read in no time but uh, Ruth said to Naomi I better go it was the actually the the festival of uh, the feast of Shavuot or or, um, the feast of weeks which is actually tonight uh, between last night and tonight and tomorrow um, it's a festival uh, that the Jews celebrate where they come uh, before the Lord and have an appointed time with him and uh, in uh, it's in our culture today it's called Pentecost where where the giving of the word of God was and where the the church was started but anyway Ruth went down to the fields um, because when they would bring in the harvest what they would do is uh, God told his people when you're harvesting your fields leave the edges so that the poor can come into those fields and get some harvest for themselves to have bread and so that's what Ruth her and Naomi were were now desolate and, and uh, had no income uh, because you know all the men had died in their family uh, so they had no uh, way of uh, making an income and so she went down to the fields where they were harvesting and she asked could she um, join in with the other poor people in in picking up whatever shreds the harvesters had left behind and it transpires that the person who owned that field was a very wealthy uh, man called Boaz and um, if you read the book of Ruth yourself, you'll find, you'll see this, you know, Naomi and Ruth's lives totally changed around because God is our redeemer and, you know, Jesus is our redeemer and he wants to bring good out of every bad situation that we've been through. These two women were through the, the mill. They were absolutely traumatized and, and uh, you know, left poor and weak and needy. But God had a plan. And when they came back into the nation of Israel and when she went into that field, she super, had a, a, a divine encounter with this man called Boaz, who actually, just to cut a long story short, ended up marrying Ruth. And their whole lives were turned around. And not just, you know, when they got married, she then went on, Ruth went on to have a little son, a baby that she called Obed. And Obed went on when he grew up to have a son who he called Jesse. And Jesse, when he grew up, went on to have several sons. And his youngest son was called David. And you know, friend, the thing is, what I'm trying to tell you is no matter what the turmoil, no matter what the situation, God wants to turn your uh, 
your hardship, your pain. He wants to redeem it and turn it into joy. And he wants you to maintain your stability and your joy through relationship with him, through relationship with the redeemer that he sent, Jesus Christ. And in the same way that Ruth and Naomi's lives were redeemed from darkness and from sadness into joy and celebration, that's what God wants for you. He will rebuke the devourer for your sake in Jesus' name. Amen. Come back and we'll break bread very quickly and we'll look at one more scripture in Isaiah. Praise God. Praise God. Welcome back, friends. Um, so just to see in uh, Isaiah chapter 51, if you turn there with me and we'll break bread. But, um, you know, like I said, for Ruth um, and Boaz, you know, God birthed their son Obed and brought forth fruit. Uh, he brought forth fruit and so many descendants, you know, Jesse and David. And of course, King David, you know, um, that's the line that Jesus was born through. Uh, if you want to go look at uh, the the generations or the genealogy of Jesus and his family, he was born through that family. So out of great darkness for Ruth and uh, for her mother-in-law, Naomi, everything changed and turned around. And God brought not only blessing on them, but blessing for generation after generation. And that's what he's looking for, friend, in your life as well, is fruit that will last. And you know, you are the uh, fruit of of your uh, parents, grandparents and forefathers, you're the fruit of their prayers and of their lives and how they lived their lives. And so, you know, fruit that lasts. That's what God's interested in. That's why he he brought forth the first fruit of his son, Jesus, so that he would be the firstborn from the dead and uh, so that God could have a family. And we've been adopted into God's family. That's why we can call him Abba, which means daddy or papa. You know, he's our daddy. And uh, for many people who have had a difficult relationship with perhaps their their biological or their adopted father on this earth, you know, they they have a, a difficulty in coming into that relationship with God the Father. But that's what Jesus came to break down those, uh, you know, strongholds, those those uh, traumas, those the things that have caused you pain and turmoil. He wants to bring total healing and restoration to you, friend. Amen. So from being locked and chained in hopelessness, Ruth and Naomi, uh, their whole lives were turned around into great joy. And uh, praise God. Let's have a look at... Um, this this actual today, you know, the the feast of Shavuot, um, it's it's a, a harvest festival. It's actually the first harvest, um, and and you know the the feast of Tabernacles then in the autumn time is is the the feast for the the last harvest of the year. And so God had these appointed times where there would be a portal open. Uh, between heaven and earth and where God would uh, fellowship and, and minister to his people. So I believe that uh, this is a a time for God's people to uh, inherit the blessings and, and receive breakthrough and great abundance in every area, but especially abundance of joy in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 51. 
And in verse 11 it says, The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Again there you've got that sorrow and sighing. You know, sighing is... You know, the breath again, because that's what often happens, isn't it? With that spirit of heaviness, with that that serpent python spirit coiling itself around a person and, and trying to, you know, choke the life out of them. You see people, you know, sighing a lot is is, is can be a, a sign of, of some kind of demonic oppression, you know, some kind of a demonic attack against you. They shall um, obtain joy and gladness, which are the opposite of sorrow and sighing. Amen. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid? Of a man who will die, and of the son of man who will be made like grass. And you forget the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. Listen to this, friend. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. That's what that python serpent spirit does as well. You know, a sure sign of you being under a demonic attack, friend, is a constant fearing, a constant dread, you know, continually every day fearing. You're under attack from the enemy and you need to come in under the covering of the uh, fellowship and the blood of Jesus Christ because uh, in relationship with the Good Shepherd, there is no fear. Remember in, in 1 John chapter 4, it says, when perfect love comes in, all fear leaves. All fear has to leave, it says. All fear must leave. And so uh, fear is is indicative of uh, some kind of influence from a demonic spirit. Amen. So uh, you have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. Again, here you've got this this uh, picture of Satan, uh, this oppressor and, and his, you know, angry outbursts. Perhaps it's some kind of a Jezebel uh, spirit coming against people as well, you know, where there's bullying and intimidation going on. Um uh, you know, and, and these things need to be dealt with with the blood of Jesus because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he has prepared to destroy. Um, in some translations there, it says when he has prepared to destroy, but it's actually the correct translation is as if he has prepared to destroy. So you're fearing continually as if something terrible is going to happen. And this is a spirit of dread. And it's a tormenting thing. And friend, anywhere there's torment, you need to look for unforgiveness. Because somewhere there's unforgiveness. If there's something tormenting over and over and over again, it's it's always linked with unforgiveness. But anyway, the captives... Uh, the captive exile hastens that he may be loosed. And this is what people, you know, they, pe- people know inside of themselves that they need to be free. Every part, and That's why people go searching and they go down the road of the occult or they go down the road of the new age, uh, you know, or, or, or false gods, you know, yoga and all that kind of stuff, looking for some kind of peace and med- and, and stability because they know that they want to be free and they know that they're shackled in some way. But you see, friend, the only true freedom is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why he said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He said in Galatians chapter um, 5, I think it is, is it, or 4, um, 
It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. He set us free from every curse for our freedom. And that's what he paid for. So the captive exile hastens that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit, that he should not die prematurely for in, in destruction. And that his bread should not fail. This is what is really on people's minds. You know, people are terrified of dying. People are terrified of of failure and of things going wrong. That's why they're constantly striving for more and more and more and more. Because if I keep, uh, you know, getting more, if I get more status, more power, more education, more money, more things, then I will be okay. But you know what? The more is never satisfied. And the other thing is that the bread should not fail. It's It's because of a dread of of being in lack and this is what satan does through fear he puts fear into people's lives where it becomes an idol and everything they do is driven because of that spirit of fear who divide uh, but i am the lord your god who divided the sea whose waves roared the lord of hosts is his name there's nothing impossible to the lord and i have put my words in your mouth i have covered you with the shadow of my hand. And, and what that translates to is, I have clothed you, I have concealed you, and I have hid you with the power of my hand. That I may plant the heavens. Praise God, here we go again. That I may bring forth fruit and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. That's what God's saying to you today, friend. He is saying to you, you are my precious child. I love you. I have a good plan for you. I have, uh, you know, great things stored up for you. I will show you great and mighty things that you have not known. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard the things which God has stored up for you because you love him and because you're called according to his purpose. Praise God. And that's for everyone, friend. There are no special people in the kingdom of God. All are equal before him. All are his children. All have sinned and fall short of his glory. And all of us needed a savior. Praise God. And that's why Jesus came. And so what is it that we can do? Like we read in Psalm 116. What shall I render to the Lord? I know I will lift up the cup of salvation. I will lift up the name of his Yeshua, his savior, his Messiah, his son, Jesus. And that's what we do when we break bread. We we take the cup and the bread and we remind ourselves. It's It's a memorial reminder for us to remember. Once I was lost. But now I have been found. Once I was in darkness, but now I have been brought into the kingdom of his light and his love in Jesus' name. So, friend, let's break bread together. And we'll say this together. Take your bread. Father God, I come before you just as I am. And I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I need a savior. Lord Jesus, I proclaim that I believe you are the Son of God. You came to die on the cross for me, to take away my sin, and your body was broken so that my body could be healed. You took turmoil, pain, suffering, sorrow, and grief upon you, upon yourself, and rejection so that I could be set free in my mind and healed in my heart and my soul. I receive your healing today, Jesus, and I eat this bread in remembrance of your sacrifice 
And I declare that by the stripes of Jesus, I am truly healed. Amen. You can take the bread now. Thank you, Jesus. Now we'll take the cup. And we'll say this together. Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the price for my sins to be uh, for my sins to be forgiven and for me to be restored and reconciled back to you father adopted into your family as your beloved child Lord Jesus I lift up the cup of salvation today and I thank you for what you've done for me I proclaim you are the son of God you died on the cross for me and God raised you from the dead so that I could be acquitted and set free. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for restoring my inner soul area, my mind and my heart to, to peace. Thank you for giving me peace with God the Father. Thank you for giving me peace with mankind, with my neighbors, with my friends and with my family. I choose to forgive today any person, whether they be living or dead, who has hurt me in any way or wounded me or my family. I forgive them in the name and in the person of Jesus and I release them from all offense and I pray, Lord Jesus, that as you have forgiven me my sins, I now choose to forgive them and release a blessing upon them. And I thank you, Lord, for filling me with your joy. I declare you are my redeemer. You will bring good out of every bad thing that I have been through or that I have done. I thank you, Jesus. My redeemer lives. Amen. God bless you, friend. You can take your cup now. Hallelujah. So, Father, we just thank you and we praise you today, Lord. We release now an anointing for healing, Lord. I thank you for bringing revelation through your word to these, my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for bringing restoration and peace into their hearts, their minds, their soul area, their emotions. I speak every uh, all their chemicals to be balanced and normal in the name of Jesus. Any area, Father God, that's out of sync in any way, Father, their physical body, I speak restoration and health and healing to flow in there right now. I bind every attack of the enemy, every uh, fury of the oppressor, every spirit of heaviness every spirit of fear or terror or dread I break the power of those assignments against these your children Lord and I loose the spirit of life and I thank you Lord that we have been set free set free indeed by the son of God Jesus himself Lord, I thank you. You always confirm your word with signs following. I thank you, Lord, for peace and joy to bubble up and overflow in each one's lives today, Lord, and in their families, Father. I thank you for provision for them from every area. And I thank you, Lord, that as we honor you as first in our lives, Lord, that we are thriving, we are blessed, and whatever we do prospers in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you, friend. Oh, yeah. You know, just want to tell you that I meant to say that earlier. The word um, prosper, you know, 
it it doesn't just as i say have a a financial connotation or or mean something about finances yes god wants you to prosper of course he wants you to have more than enough enough for yourself and enough to give but what the word prosper also means is all together so it means completely sound nothing missing nothing broken and so friend i pray that for you today for that you will prosper in all that you do and i pray that whatever work or or family or relationships or in your in your own health physical health mental health everything you do shall prosper in jesus name amen god bless you